Well, I don't know about you, but I had a good time praising the Lord. That was a challenge. But it was good. Toby Max lyrics woke us up. What's that? No, Toby couldn't make it tonight. He got stuck in traffic on his way here. Okay, if you open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. One Corinthians chapter fifteen. The title of the message tonight is LOL. If you're a computer person, that stands for laugh out loud. Well, Tonight's message is a combination of a few things. Laugh out loud, labor of love, are two of the things that we're going to look at. And next month I teach again, so I'm I'm splitting up uh, 1 Corinthians 15 into two parts. We'll look at one part tonight, and then next uh, month I'll cover the second part. So much has happened in just this week or the last 10 days in my life that I'll share some of it that just jumped out off the pages of this beautiful passage of scriptures that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. Now, the Corinthian church is a lot like the churches that I prayed for tonight, they're challenging. A lot of the churches or the people in the churches are worldly. They're carnal, even though they have put their faith in Jesus. They still struggle. They're still holding on to a lot of the world. But rather than allowing Jesus to hold on to them totally. So we can relate a lot to the, uh, the gossip, the slander that, that went on in the Corinthian church. But one of the things that Paul commends them is that they haven't left for another gospel. Like the Galatian church was uh, admonished for. They were thinking about going a different way. But at least the Corinthian church still believed in the birth and death and the resurrection of Jesus. That he died for sins that his resurrection was a stamp of approval on what he did on the cross. So let's take a look at the first few verses. We're going to read verses 1 through 4 right now of 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The Gospel. Holy mackerel. How powerful is the Gospel? It's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Not only the Jews, but the Greeks, the non-Jews, the Gentiles, everyone, no matter what part of the earth. 2,000 years later, the gospel is still being preached. 
People click on the Internet now. They say, hey, I wonder what this LOL is. Bang. And all of a sudden they hear the gospel. They didn't even know it was coming. They went there because God used some technology to direct them because that's how God works. His grace. How many times have you been going through a problem and you turn on the radio and there's that song or there's that speaker directed just to where you are, where I am? Not a coincidence. That's the beauty of God's grace. He loves you so much. He uses all the different things that he's created to touch your heart. Last Thursday or Friday, we had an emergency at my uh, sister's house. My mom, who will be 92 on December 4th, um, is go, right now has congestive heart failure. And on top of that, she has pneumonia. On top of that, she has arthritis that her feet are all just gnarled up. She hasn't gotten out of a bed for about a year and a half. Her hands are all arthritic. But let me tell you something. She's not to be pitied because she's a believer in Jesus. And she's been struggling for over 10 years. But with that struggle, she wants to go to heaven. She's been waiting 10 years to go to heaven. Honestly, 10 years ago, she says, Vin, I want to go to heaven. And I said, well, Mom, he's not done with you yet. There are people that you're reaching because you're still here on this earth. Now, I can tell you, I'm a witness of what God has done through my mom. My mom was a praying mom. She dropped us off at school every day. She'd go to church and pray. Every day, without fail. I want to encourage you all here. I know there's a little one here because I heard the lovely voice singing the Toby Mac song before. Pray for your children regardless of what age they are. I don't care if they're 50 or five months. Pray for them because God honors prayer. My brother who's a pastor, myself, and my sister are going to heaven as a result of God's grace. But I believe that Jesus honored my mom's prayers. All those years in grammar school, all the faithfulness, all the things that she always told us about God. Now she's 92, ready to go to be with the Lord, but God's still using her. And it was during that 10-year time that my sister took my mother in the last few years, stays with her. We have a 24-hour care uh, person that takes care of my mom. But it's through that time that the Lord touched my mom's heart. Or, I'm sorry, my sister's heart. It was a neat thing. My sister said the other day, she goes, you know, I really enjoy... Bible studies that are verse by verse because I get so much out of it. Now, you've got to understand, she came out of Roman Catholicism. She's eight years older than me. Okay? For her to say that to my brother and I, that was like, oh, that's a miracle for her to realize what she just said to us about the verse by verse study. That's so cool. So here we see that Paul is addressing brothers and sisters in that very first verse. When we talk to each other, we're addressing brothers and sisters in the Lord. God uses that to touch our hearts. To do something, and sometimes things that we're not even aware of. Now, Paul is declaring 
the gospel which he already preached to these guys. And one of the things when I was looking at this and studying it, we can never hear the gospel too much. You know, how many times do we take it for granted? The things that we've heard. You know, and we just breeze over that. But think about the gospel, what it means. And you have received it. I've received it. And we stand in it. We stand on Jesus. He's the rock. He's the foundation. But the gospel that Jesus came to this earth, that he was God in the flesh, that he intervened in time to communicate to you and to me. That's awesome. Think of how much he had to love us to become one of us in order to communicate to us. My cat and dog, we just found out this morning, have fleas. The cat, every time Maria brushed him, there's like 20 fleas coming off. Okay, I can see some of you can relate to that. Now, let's say I really love fleas. And I'm very concerned about the drops that we're going to put in between the shoulder blades of our cat and dog and the bomb that we already set off in the house. But let's say, say I was really concerned with these fleas. And I wanted to warn them what was coming. I could say, hey, flea, we're going to, there's going to be a bomb tonight. You've got to get out of the house. Or they're going to put drops on the back of the cat and the dog. You, get, you can't go up there anymore. Don't go near the neck. They wouldn't hear me. They wouldn't be able to understand what I'm trying to communicate with them. But you know what? If I could become a flea, I could do it. I could communicate to them. I could do somersaults. You know, if I raised a couple fleas that were already dead and can't brought them back to life, they, they might listen to me. And I could tell them of what's coming, of the bomb and the poison that they're going to face if they don't get off these animals. Well, Jesus intervened into our lives. He told us of the life and the death that's ahead, depending on the decision you make of what he did when he came to this earth. And then he went to the cross. And I went over again the things that happened to the cross. And I'm sure you've heard about the crucifixion and the things that have taken place. But I want to throw out a few things to you. Think about the scourging. We know the cat and nine tails, the glass, the pieces of stone, you know, the metal on there. If you saw the Passion of the Christ, you got a glimpse. But nothing as intense as what our Lord went through. Because we could still recognize the actor that played Jesus in the Passion of the Christ. He wasn't marred beyond recognition. You could still see him. But the Bible says you couldn't recognize him anymore. And then one of the things that the Romans did, they made it so severe and so cruel that they would put a robe on him or clothes on linen on him. And when the blood clotted and dried, they would rip it off him and start the bleeding all over again. And then when they beat you, they would open up the wounds. So it was a continual thing of getting dirt and everything into the wounds. And then, of course, when they put the nails through his hands and they hit the artery and the uh, ligaments and the tendons, and every time you just moved a little, the sensation of pain that just shot through your body was excruciating. The word we use, excruciating, comes from the Greek word out of the cross. From the crucifixion, that excruciating pain, out of the cross that pain came. 
when Jesus had to push up to get a breath and just try to get air into his lungs. Just think of the nails in his wrist, that excruciating pain, and the pain in his feet when he had to push with the nail in his feet. Yet alone, the scourging on his back that had to rub against his rough cross. Think about flies and mosquitoes. Thinks about birds of prey just coming and bothering Jesus on the cross. He took it all. He took it all for you and me. He paid the price for your sin and my sin on the cross. We can't just brush that over. Paul's not doing that here to the Corinthian church. He says, I declared it to you. I preached it to you. You received it and you stand in it. And how often do we stand in it? Every single moment of our lives. We stand in what Jesus did at the cross. It's by this you're saved. Understanding that that blood that he shed, the death that he died, was for your sins and my sins. That's real. He took sin on himself. He paid the price for you and for me so that we don't have to go through that. And we couldn't. It'd be all eternity we would have to be paying for our sins. But he was sinless. He was tempted like we all are, but he didn't give in to sin. And he's saying to you and to me, hey, I know you're sinners, but you're my kids. I love you. I forgive you. I want to bring you from here to here. And every time you're here, every time you read your Bible at home, every time you pray, every time you try to sing a song, even if it's too fast for you, God honors that. It's honoring Him because He knows your heart. He knows where you are, where you're standing. Paul says in verse 2, I preach to you unless you believed in vain. You know what's the fruit of you receiving Jesus into your heart? One of the things is you're right here. Getting more of Jesus. Besides the things that takes place in your life every day that you can say, well, I know that wasn't me. That was a God thing that happened today. That person maybe you prayed with or prayed for who you couldn't stand. That's a God thing. That was God. That's His grace. That wasn't you. Don't get cocky. That is not you. That's God's grace working in you to give you the love and compassion for that person that you can't stand. Or handling a situation that you never could handle before, whether it be a temptation of sin or just that quick fuse that you used to have that you say, hey, I'm not getting as angry as I used to. That's God's grace. That's the evidence of the fruit. You're not believing in vain. God's word does not return void. It's evident. It's evident to the people who know you. There's something going on. Verse 3, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. The Scriptures. How beautiful are the Scriptures. How literal are the Scriptures. You and I don't have a blind faith. We can go in the Old Testament and the New. Over 300 prophecies on the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
We'll look at something later on where people tried to disprove, to try to lie that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. But it takes more blind faith to believe what they were saying than the evidence that you and I have as believers in Jesus. Verse 4, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. There it is again. Throughout the Scriptures it talks about how he was going to rise on the third day. Not just a rise. It's a specific time frame. And he hit it right on the money. It was right there on the third day he arose. Let's take a look at verses 5 through 8. And that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. Verse 5, and that he was seen by Cephas. That's Peter. That's our buddy Peter. Same Peter that denied him. When he was arrested. That's there for a reason. That's there not only for Peter, but for you and me. You see, Peter denied Jesus. But if you remember, when Jesus rose from the dead, he said, Go tell the apostles and Peter. Call Peter by name, because he knew Peter was really bummed out about what he did. His heart was ripped in two about his denial of Christ. Did you ever do something that you think it was so bad that maybe you're still holding on to it right now that God can't forgive you? Well, let me tell you something. That's the lie of the enemy. That is not Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus has so much He wants to do with and in and through you. And Satan puts that little roadblock there. Well, remember what you did? You're a hypocrite. Jesus doesn't love you like He loves that person who seems so godly and saintly. No, that's a lie. Jesus loves you and He's forgiven every single sin. He's forgotten about it. He's thrown it into the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west. But what are you holding on to? What am I holding on to that we don't trust Jesus with His forgiveness? When Jesus hung there and went through all that excruciating pain, He did it so you and I would not hold on to the things He died for. Understand your growth can be stunted by that. You know, we have the little baby, but just picture that baby 30 years from now wanting to still be in that crib. That's not right. There's growth that needs to take place, but what's holding you back? It could be something that you feel you're not worthy of. Well, here's a great, great news. We're not worthy of anything. Okay, so throw that out. But then God comes into our lives and says, I love you so much. You're my son. You're my daughter. I want to give you my spirit. I want to give you everything I have as an inheritance for you. 
And now we're on this earth traveling to heaven to meet him face to face. But there's things that go on in our lives every day. Family situations, family problems, loved ones that are sick. A little eight-year-old boy who goes to be with the Lord today. There's tragedy. There's, there's hurt. Where is our hope? I honestly thought tonight that I was going to come before you and tell you that my mom went to be with the Lord. I got a phone call this afternoon from my sister. And I said, oh no. Usually we touch base later in the day when we're going to visit my mom. And it was that thought, oh no, maybe my mom's gone. And even though I've prepared myself for 10 years since my mom has said I want to be to go be with the Lord, ah, it's still that feeling. Is this really the time? And I know she's going to be with the Lord. I know she's going to have a new body. But she's still your mom. You still feel that connection. You know? But here we are. He was, that he was seen by Peter. Face to face. Peter was with the Lord he denied. Jesus loves you. Get off that negative trip. It's a lie. Jesus wants you to see him face to face. You don't have to be ashamed. He died individually just for you and for me. Now, not only was he seen by Peter, but here's the cool thing. He was seen by over 500 believers. And that's important to understand because there are so many of these believers, including the apostles, that go to their death as martyrs because they believe in Jesus Christ. Now, I'll tell you that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead and I was a follower of his, of his back then, and I knew he didn't rise from the dead, I'm not going to die supporting somebody that lied to me. So here are, are people who died believing in the resurrected Christ. Not only believing, but they saw him. Now, he was even seen by James in verse 7, who is, was Jesus' half-brother. Who before this thought Jesus was a nut. He didn't believe he's my brother. I saw him grow up. You know, who does he think he is? He thinks by saying that he's God, he's going to get extra food at the table? You know, who, who knows what's going through James's head all these years dealing with Jesus, the Messiah? But something happened, just like something that has happened in our lives. He met the risen Savior. And that risen Savior, who was his stepbrother or half-brother, is now his Lord, is now his Savior, is now his God. See, there was progression. There's progression in your life and my life. Every time we read, every time we pray, every time we interact with each other, we're growing. Sometimes we notice a growth and sometimes we don't. But remember, God's Word doesn't return void. And for some of you, the people that you deal with, you might be the only Bible they ever read. You might be the only people that, have, that are any kind of example to them of Jesus Christ. Verse 8, Then last of all, He was seen by me also as one born out of due time. 
This is a very humble position that Paul takes. He didn't feel that he was worthy to be called an apostle. And remember, Jesus appeared to him after the resurrection. Remember, Paul Paul was the one who persecuted and killed believers in Jesus Christ. And here he is, right in this letter to the Corinthians. And we'll see in the next few verses more about him and his testimony. But don't ever feel that you're not worthy to share the gospel with anyone. Don't ever feel that way. Because if Jesus has touched your heart, you have His Holy Spirit. And, His, and He will touch that other person through the personality that He gave each one of us. And all our personalities are different. He's going to bring a person into your life that is connected somehow with your personality. Even if it rubs that person the wrong way. Sandpaper is a good thing if it's used on the right object. You just might be the sandpaper. That's okay. God uses sandpaper. Okay? So don't feel that, you know, because there's animosity and all of a sudden God is bringing this person in your life that there's been friction with. The love of Jesus shining through you can smooth out a lot. So don't go by your feelings. Go by who Jesus is. Don't go by your inhibitions. Go by who Jesus is. Okay, let's look at verses um, 9 through 11. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Verse 10, by the grace of God. God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. Expense, an acronym for the word grace. Paul realized this in what he shares here with us. And he says that his grace towards me was not in vain. Is God's grace towards you in vain? How would it be in vain if there's not fruit being produced in your lives? Is there fruit being produced in your life? Galatians 5, you can be a fruit inspector for yourself. You know, look at Galatians 5. Why don't we turn to it real quick? Just flip over to Galatians chapter 5. Right after 2 Corinthians. Galatians chapter 5 and down at verse 22. And let's be fruit inspectors for ourselves. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Have you seen over the weeks, the months, the year, 
an increase in any of those things that God lists there in verse 22. If you've seen any improvement, that is fruit being produced. Verse 24, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We're going to read shortly that Paul died daily. We need to die every day, don't we? Every day we need to die to ourselves and live for Jesus. It's a daily, we've got to crucify, crucify ourselves daily. Because our flesh is always trying to take charge. Always. It can happen just as I'm driving home tonight. I've got to crucify it. We've got to be on guard. We've got to be alert. We've got to stand firm in the faith that what we believe. Verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Some more stuff to examine there. What is it that's really trying to take you off course? Is there envying going on? Do you have a conceit? Are you self-centered? Are you provoking one another? Hey, you see what so-and-so is doing over there? If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And Paul is showing us, and, he, and he's bringing this letter to the Corinthians because there's stuff going on in the church among these people that Paul wants to say, hey, I'm going to shake you up a little bit here to wake you up. Do you understand what you believe? Are you standing firm in the gospel? Do you understand that Jesus died for you? That he rose from the dead for you? That his death was payment for your sins and his resurrection was your receipt? That everything went through? And he's building. He's building this as uh, he goes on here. What's your testimony? Do you have a testimony? Everyone does, right? You all have a testimony. You were lost and now you're saved. What happened? That's your testimony. Verse 12 to 23. One other note I just wanted to say. If you notice in verse 11, Paul says, whether it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Notice what Paul did. He got his eyes off of who, like in verse uh, 10, he talks about how much I labored more abundantly than them all. Yet not I, but the grace of God. He knew it was simply God's grace that allowed him to do all the stuff he was doing. So he brought it right back to Jesus and his grace. And then in verse 11, he brought everybody together. He says, hey, it doesn't matter if I do it or you do it. As long as we're preaching the gospel and people are believing. That's it. Doesn't matter. Who cares? As long as Jesus is preached. About his birth, death, resurrection, his payment for the sins of any individual who will stand firm in him. Who cares who doesn't? If it's a little kid in a skit or it's an older person in the church, 
sharing their testimony. Who cares? As long as we see people coming forward. Okay, let's look at the uh, last section for tonight, verses 12 to 23. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. We see in the first two verses, 12 and 13, Paul is saying, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how is it that some are saying there is no resurrection of the dead? I was listening to a Calvary Chapel pastor on my iPod, and he started out his sermon with an atheist who said it's appalling that the crucifixion is thought that it would save people from their sins. It's an atrocity that somebody with a bloody sacrifice, that you would have to believe in a bloody sacrifice to have sins forgiven and eternal life. So this is a man that really believes this and stood before people to say this. And there's people that listen. There are churches today in our country, throughout the world, that don't preach Jesus crucified and raised from the dead. It's the feel-good churches trying to bring people into their seats. Well, I'll tell you what. I'd rather have a group like you in a foxhole than 500,000. And out of those 500,000, 490,999 or whatever run when the battle gets going. And we end up with us anyway. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of stuff going on in the churches today where people's ears are being tickled and they like what they're hearing. And the gospel of Jesus is not being preached. If Jesus has not been raised from the dead, as Paul says here, verse 14, then we're wasting our time here tonight. Everything I'm telling you is empty. There's nothing to it. And your faith is also empty. You've believed in vain. There's nothing there if Jesus is still in the grave. 
verse 15, we're also false witnesses. I'm a false witness. You're a false witness of God. Because we're testifying that God raised up Jesus. And if he didn't raise him up and he's still dead, then Christ isn't risen, as verse 16 says. And verse 17 goes on to say, your faith and my faith is futile. And you are still in your sins. I'm still in my sins if Jesus is still in the grave. Isn't it interesting that so many people back then and even today say that Jesus didn't rise from the dead? Think about it. Ephesians 6 in our playbook talks about the strategy and the wiles of the devil. Of Satan. He has a strategy. The bigger the lie, the more people believe it. Trying to get people's eyes off of what Jesus did. A historical event. You can even go into secular historians like Josephus that will give you the account of Jesus Christ. That will line up with the Scriptures. But it really does take more faith not to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and His crucifixion than it does to believe it. There's more evidence for it than against it. And these people who don't believe it, they need to examine it because they're going to hell. Based on just what a man says, they need to be like the Bereans. We need to be like the Bereans who check the Scriptures to see if what was being taught about Jesus was true or not. Because your faith will grow stronger as you get into His Word on your own. One-on-one with Jesus. There's no better game. One-on-one with Jesus. I'm a basketball coach. One-on-one with Jesus is the way to play. Just spend time with Him. You're never too young or too old to go one-on-one. And you don't need a basket. It's awesome. Verse 18, and also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. All those people who have died, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, they're in the grave. There is no hope. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Think of how much your life and my life has been surrounded by Jesus Christ through the years. Think about that. It's to be pitied. If Jesus is still in the grave. But you know who's the best testimony about the risen Savior? You. You. Because you know what Jesus did in your heart, in your life. You're the witness to what Jesus did. You don't believe in mythology. You don't believe in fairy tales. You know how you were and what Jesus did to change your heart. You didn't change your heart on your own. Jesus did that. I'm going to wrap up on this one. Verse, uh, the last couple of verses, but verse, uh, verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. LOL. Laugh out loud. I want to finish with this one. 
for the first part of the teaching. Lazarus, Jesus' friend, Mary and Martha's brother. Jesus was in another town. Got news that his buddy died. Didn't rush to get there. Waited. Waited a while, a couple of days. Eventually goes. We know the story. Lazarus, come forth, comes out, still in his grave clothes. Do you know we never hear from Lazarus again? Scriptures are silent. I want to throw something at you. I believe if the scriptures wrote down, this is Vinny now, this is not biblical scholars. I believe that Lazarus laughed the rest of his life. I think he laughed all the time. The laugh of Lazarus can be the LOL. The the laugh of Lazarus. Why did he laugh? The worst thing that could happen to him as far as mankind is concerned is that he died. He was put in a grave. Jesus brought him out of the grave. He resurrected him. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He can do those things. Not only did He do them, but then He went to the cross so that we can laugh out loud. Because no no matter what this world throws at us, the death of a little 8-year-old, the death of a 92-year-old, your mom, your son, your dad, whoever, yeah, we'll feel the hurt. There'll be that grieving and mourning period as should be. But we can laugh out loud too. Because we know that Jesus paved the way and we will be reunited to our loved ones if they put their trust in the risen Savior and made Him Lord. You and I are witnesses to what Jesus is doing. Maybe what we need to do is pray even more for those people in our family and our our church and our jobs that aren't saved yet. That's going to be our number one concern. Pray for the lost. As long as they have a breath, it's not over. But we need to pray. We need to understand that God has chosen each one of you for someone out there. Intercessory prayer is huge. One-on-one with Jesus is huge. So then you will be an imitator to Jesus when you come in contact with all those people that God will put in your path. God knows what He wants to do in the remaining days of our time. We want to be right there on base with Him. We We want to stand in Him and not miss a beat. Let's pray. Father, I just uh, thank you 
for who you are and how you just